Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Um, It's been said that the great search of the human soul is the search for meaning, uh, for purpose, for significance. That we really want to live lives that make a difference. Or as Ralph Waldo Emerson said, to leave this world a little bit better having been here. We really do, I think at the depths of our being, want to know what it is we're supposed to do and why with our lives. And in essence, that's what we're talking about this month is a calling. Um, Because I have this fundamental belief, and I really do believe this, that God has a calling on each and every one of our lives. God has a calling on my life. God has a calling on your life. And in the next few weeks, we're going to be taking a look at this whole idea of how does God call and how do you recognize His voice and and where do you even start with all of this? And this is a really, really big topic. I know that. So um, I don't, I don't, I don't even plan to be able to get through the whole thing in one month. There's, we'll barely scratch the surface. Um, and there's a couple of things that I do want to lay just kind of as foundational for the whole thing. The first is this, um, that it's not some simple game plan. You know, it's not just like three easy steps to finding God's call on your life, okay? Um, there's no how-to manual in all of this. And, and I really believe that our calling is not just a single event. I think there's a kind of an aha moment but it's really a series of unfolding choices through the length of our life. And one more thing is that I believe to have a calling, there's got to be a caller. <laughs> and that caller is God. Jesus called 12 to be his disciples. It says he called those he wanted that they might be with him and that he might send them out. That that's what Jesus did. That's where he started. And you might be here this morning and you are actively seeking God's call in your life. You want to know what it is that God wants me to do. Or maybe, maybe you're trying to avoid it because you kind of got an idea, but you don't want to go down that road. You know, you kind of like the video. You know, I just, I, I don't really want to bother with that. Maybe you're here this morning and you got this nagging sense that you're missing it. Or maybe you're here and you think, you know, I'm, I think I'm on the right track, but I'm not really sure. So, in the next couple of weeks, I hope we'll be able to um, give you a better sense of what that looks like and help you better find it for your own life. And we're going to start this morning. This is just kind of an intro to the whole series, but we're going to start where Jesus started when he called his 12 disciples. In Luke chapter 5, if you want to turn there and follow along, um, there's a recording of when Jesus called uh, Peter to be his follower. Beginning in verse 1, it says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, With the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him, put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answers, master, We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, 
Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. The original call. Jesus calling disciples to come and follow. And that's where we're going to start this morning. This whole idea of calling. I think it starts with the call to simply follow. To follow wherever Jesus leads me. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to kind of unpack this whole idea. This morning, I just want to kind of walk through this story a little bit with you because I think there's some really key ingredients and what it means to follow Jesus' call. And I think there's some very basic things that I think can help every one of us in all of this. The first one is this. Just simply make yourself available. If you're going to follow Jesus and follow his call, you got to make yourself available. Let Jesus get into your boat. That's what Peter did. Because, see, your calling, God's call in your life is for his purposes. It's for his work. God always uses human agents to do his work in this world. And so his calling on your life is going to be involving you in what he is doing in this world. This whole story starts as Jesus is teaching. He's right on the lake, uh, on the seashore. And um, all around him, crowds of people just keep coming and coming and coming. And it says, when he was standing on, by the lake of Gennesaret, where the people were crowding all around him, listening to the word of God. They're standing there. Now, the, lake, the Sea of Gennesaret, that's the same thing as the Sea of Galilee. It's also called the Lake of Tiberias. It was, it was a very large lake, basically like our Great Lakes. Okay, very, very large. And, and all around the seashore, there were like little coves and natural, you know, kind of hillsides up, on, up coming down into the water. And so where Jesus would stand there and people would kind of stand up, up along the hillside, it was kind of made a natural amphitheater. So he just got in the boat, started to teach them. Now, this is a really important point because if you know anything about boats and boaters, you don't just walk into somebody's boat. I mean, you know, like in the Navy, you know, when you come on, you go, permission to come aboard, sir? You know, permission granted, then you're allowed in? Okay, that, that's a big thing in Navy terms, okay? That is a big thing. Any boat owner will tell you, you don't just get in my boat. You ask permission. And I, I find it really interesting that Jesus just kind of commandeers Peter's boat. He just gets in. And by the way, this is Peter's livelihood. This isn't just like his pleasure craft, okay? This is his livelihood. Jesus is intruding on his territory, but he makes it available to him. See, Jesus didn't need Peter's boat. He wanted Peter's boat. We know that he didn't need his boat because at least on two occasions recorded in the other Gospels, Jesus walked on water. So he didn't need to stand in a boat. He could have just stood there on the water talking and teaching, okay? But he wanted Peter's boat. He didn't need it, but he wanted it. What he was doing was testing Peter's heart. He was testing Peter's availability. Will you allow me to this part of your life? And that's a really, really big test. Because like I said, this is his livelihood. This is his business. Jesus gets into the boat. And he does so, by the way, at a particularly low point in his career. We know that because a little bit later in the story, when Jesus tells him to go ahead and put out the nets, and he says to them, but Lord, um, we fished all night and haven't caught anything. So it's been a really bad day at the office. Okay? And they're, they're sitting on the seashore, and, and they've had no luck, no luck. Now, that's a big deal for a fisherman, because if you don't get any fish coming in, you've got nothing to bring to market. And if you've got nothing to bring to market, there's no paycheck for the day. And so they're kind of just bummed a little bit. They're sitting there. They've got nothing else. Um, they're really kind of at a low point. For Peter, this is like a low point in his career. It caught nothing. I mean, if at least one or two, that would have been nice, but nothing. 
And very often, that's when Jesus comes to us first. When we're at a low point in our life. Because that's the only time that we stop long enough to listen to him. Very often, it's the only time when we're so tired of trying to do it on our own that we're willing to listen to him. Because as long as we're in charge and everything's flowing great and everything's going good, we don't have to think about his call. We got it all under control. But when we hit those low points, those transition points in life, that's very often when Jesus comes to us. And that's when he comes to Peter. And I think if we went around this room this morning, in fact, let me just ask the question. You don't have to tell us all the gory details, but if you are in the middle of or just coming out of, of a point and a period of difficulty or disappointment or failure in your life, would you just raise your hand just quickly? Yeah. <laughs> we all go through those. And, and it's, it's one of those points at which we really begin to open up to God. Those life transition points, those times of loss or, or, or something else. I mean, maybe it's a financial loss for you. Uh, maybe it's a divorce you're going through. Maybe, maybe because of the economy, you just got laid off. Maybe it's a health thing. But it's those points of discouragement and disappointment or, or failure that, that we just kind of, we're ready to give up. And that's when Jesus comes. Now, here's the thing. Those points of failure can be one of two things. Those things can become a barrier to our availability to God or they become an open door to a next phase in our life. And the choice really is up to us. How we're going to handle this disappointment, how we're going to deal with this discouragement, how we're going to get through this time of failure. The choice is really up to us. We can let that close us off and say, you know, I'm just not available. I got too much other stuff going on right now. Or it can be an opportunity to open up for God to do something new in your life. What I find interesting as you read the story is that these guys are on the seashore, but they're not grousing about the catch. It says that when Jesus finds them, they're there, but they're, they're there washing their nets. Mark and, Matthew and Mark say mending their nets. What they are doing is they're getting ready for the next opportunity. They could have been just sitting around grousing about it. You know, man, what a miserable night of fishing. That was the worst night of fishing I've ever had. And then start making excuses. Well, you know, they just weren't biting. Oh, we didn't have the right kind of bait. Or, you know, we just didn't pick the right spot. They could have been comparing against previous successes. Oh, back, I remember back in 95, you know, man, that was the catch of all catches. But they're not doing that. They're not complaining. They're not excusing. They're not comparing. They're not remembering. What they're doing is they're getting ready for the next opportunity. And if you're at one of those low points in your life, might be a chance for you to just start getting ready for the next opportunity. In fact, it's the best thing you can do. If you're at one of those low points, it doesn't matter how small your boat is or how unsuccessful your catch has been. God can still use you. God's call on your life remains the same. And if you will let him, if you will allow him that access, if you'll make yourself available to him, that is the first step to hearing his call. But be prepared. Because if you make yourself available, one thing you can count on, prepare yourself for some major changes. Because Jesus is not content to be a passenger. He gets into your boat, but he's not satisfied to just sit there and shut up. And what he does, he'll rock your boat. That's what he does. In fact, he says this to them. Listen to these guys. He says, now after he'd finished speaking, he said to them, okay, let's put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Now these guys are professional fishermen okay anybody just out of curiosity anybody here like watch um the deadliest catch 
on TV. It's like one of my favorite programs. The sa- every episode is exactly the same, you know? You, but I'm hooked on this stuff, you know? This, the crab pots come up. Oh, is it going to be full? Is it going to be empty? Oh, it's empty, you know? And, and it just, it's, it's, it's a goofy thing, but I just, I just, I can't miss it. You know, I got the TiVo set to record in case I'm not there that time. And, and, it, it's, it's, it, and if you watch this, you get a real good idea of what fishermen are like. Okay, because if you watch this program, it's like every other sentence. There's a beep in there somewhere, you know. <laughs> That's fishermen, okay. That's Peter, because fishermen haven't changed a whole lot in 2,000 years. I can guarantee you that. That's Peter and his, and his, and his, his other you know, partners in this whole thing. That's those guys. They're rough and tumble. They're, you know, cursing and swearing. They're, these are the guys that, you know, they're just, they're like, I don't know why they do this, but they do. And, and there was one episode, actually, last, last season, I think it was, because um, on the ships, every, every year, it seems like they've got a greenhorn on each ship, with, which is a first-timer, okay? That's what they call this guy, first time out on the boat. And they get all the razzing, you know? They just get ridden hard, and they just, you know, everything. And, and last season, one of the greenhorns, he just got really fed up with it. He didn't like the job. He didn't like the way that he was being treated. He didn't like the jobs he was going to do. So he actually went up into the wheelhouse of the skipper to complain. You don't go in the skipper's wheelhouse, and the skipper said to him, get the out of my wheelhouse. Get down there on the deck and do your work. Because you don't get in his wheelhouse. You don't tell me how to do my job. I've been fishing this place for 35 years. Don't you tell me how to fish, how to run my boat. And that's kind of, I think, what Peter's reaction is, first off. Now, wait a minute. You know, it's okay if you want to use my boat as a pulpit, okay? But don't tell me how to fish. I know how to fish. Okay, you know, you can, you can preach all you want. I'll let you do all the preaching. You can do every bit of preaching, but I'm going to take care of the fishing because that's my job. I know how to, don't be coming and interfering with my work. <laughs> don't you come here and tell me how to do my job. I'll give you Sundays. I'll give you a day of the week. Yeah, I'll be, well, maybe not a whole day. I'll give you half a day. Well, I'll give you an hour on a Sunday morning, but don't you dare make an intrusion on Monday. Jesus is purposely invading their territory. And that's what he'll do in your life. He's going to rock your boat. Because he's not interested in Sunday mornings. Nearly as much as he's interested in Monday mornings. And he's not just interested in your spiritual life. He's interested in your whole life. And I think Peter's reaction to all of this thing is, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'll do the Sunday thing, okay? I'll do the spiritual thing. I'll go to you for my spiritual training and development. But don't come intruding on my business. Don't stick your nose in my family life. Don't you tell me about my relationships. Jesus invades their territory. You see, that's what Jesus does when he calls. And we got to get rid of this goofy notion because I know this is what I grew up with. Calling was for pastors and missionaries, the professionals. You know, calling is just for those guys who do it, you know, 24-7 kind of a thing. Calling is for everybody. God calls us all, calls all of us. Jesus calls all of us to follow him. And the calling is not so he can be a passenger. He'll rock your boat. And whatever he calls you to do, do it. Whatever he calls you to do, do it anyway. You may not understand it. It may not make sense. You might think, I know better, 
but what he calls you to do, do it. In fact, the very best sentence, if you don't memorize any other scripture, here's a really good passage for you to memorize. Luke 5, 5. This is Peter's response. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. And here's the key sentence. If you, don't, if you get nothing this, out of this this morning except this, get this. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. That's a really important sentence. Circle that, highlight it, underline it, put arrows, push into it in your Bible, whatever you got to do, and memorize that sentence. Memorize that sentence. It will save you all kinds of grief. It will save you all kinds of trouble in your life. It's a really, really important sentence. But because you say so, I will. Like, I want to give you some practice on that this morning, okay? But because you say so, I will. Just practice saying that together with me, okay? Ready? One, two, three. But because you say so, I will. Once more. Because you say so, I will. I could really close this business deal if I just massage the numbers a bit and if I just shave a few corners, I could make this thing really sing for me. And I know you want me to do my business with integrity, but this is a really sweet deal and I may not get it any other way, but because you say so, I will. Oh, but we really love each other. I've never felt like this before. This is my soulmate. This is my soulmate. And it is so, so hard to keep sexually pure. But because you say so, I will. Getting less and less participation here. (laughs) I got a few more. My budget is so tight. And the economy is so uncertain right now, I don't know how I could possibly set aside 10% of my income for your work, Lord. But because you say so, I will. Oh, this gossip is so juicy. And, and oh, I just cannot, cannot keep it to myself. I want to tell everyone, because this is, this is the juiciest piece of gossip I have heard in years, and I can't keep it to myself. But, because you say so, I will. But Lord, you don't know what he did to me. You don't know how deeply he hurt me. He hurt me so bad, I don't think I can ever possibly forgive him. But, because you say so, I will. I know it's Sunday morning and I've had such a hard week. And it's so cold outside and it would really be nice to stay in bed. And I know I should be a part of fellowship and I know I really need to get there. And I should be on time. But it's so warm in the bed and so cold outside and I'm so sick and tired. But, because you say so, I will. Hey, I like that one. See, that's the response of a follower. That's a follower. A follower says, I don't understand it. I don't know where you're leading me. It doesn't make any sense to me. I think I could do a lot better at it, but because you say so, I will. So often we think we know so much better than God. And his 
His commandments and obedience to Him is so hard and so demanding. And we think we could do a better job at being God than He is. And we just need to learn. Because you say so, Lord. I will. And even, even if you've tried it before, and it didn't work out with the results that you expected. Do it anyway. Lord, we fished all night. There's no fish out there. Trust me in this. We're, pray, you know, we're the paper fish. We know what we're doing. There's no fish there. We already tried that. But because you say so, I will. Maybe you've been a part of a community group in the past and you tried it out, but you didn't really mesh and you didn't, and Tuesday nights were so hard to get to and you got other stuff going on in your life and so you just kind of quit going and now you're not a part of a community group because you didn't really get out of it what you thought you would. It's not about what you get out of it. It's what you bring to it. And maybe it didn't work for you the first time. Do it again anyway. Maybe you've been involved in ministry and you've served in the church or served out in the world and, and, and you've been involved and it just, you know, it just got, you, you worked in the youth ministry and those junior hires just drove you crazy and you just think, I don't want to do ministry anymore. Do it anyway. Invite a friend to join you on a Sunday morning and you invite and you invite and they keep saying no so you just say, oh, pff, I tried that. Try it again. Anyway, you go to share your faith with somebody and you just, your tongue gets all tied up and you just, you know, break out in cold sweat and it doesn't make any sense. You feel like you did more harm than good for the kingdom of God. Try it again anyway. See, that's what it means to be a follower. Because you say so, I will. And it says in verse six that when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. What do you know? Jesus knows something about fishing. Jesus knows something about my life. Who'd have believed it? Jesus knows something about my relationships, my business, my family. It's the sentence of a follower that says, because you say so, I will. And when you do, when you follow him, when you make that decision, whatever you do, follow him with all of your being. Some of the most miserable people I know are people who are trying to follow and not follow at the same time. <laughs> and you can't do it. When you choose to follow, follow with all of your being. At that moment, when that thing happened and Peter saw that Jesus really knew what he was talking about, that Jesus really did have insight into his life, that Jesus really did care about every aspect of his being, he realized what he realized is he needed Jesus and not the other way around. Jesus didn't need him, but he wanted him. But Peter needed Jesus. Look at his response. 
Simon Peter sees this, and he falls at Jesus' knees and says, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. He realized that Jesus was far, far different than anybody he had encountered in his life. And that's part of the deal. When you begin to follow God's calling on your life, when you begin to discover that and set that direction for the rest of your life, when you begin, it begins to unfold to you, and you get one of the first things that happens is this sense of inadequacy. You feel like, I can't do that. That's Peter's response. Get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. And you know what? All throughout Scripture, every time God called people just about, the same kind of response, every time. God says to Sarah that in her old age, she's going to give birth to a son that's going to be the father of a great, great nation. And Sarah laughs. (laughs) And God says to Moses, you're going to go and lead my nation of Israel out of the captivity in Egypt and into the land I have for them. And Moses' response is, who am I? And Scott talked about it last week. He comes to Isaiah and calls him to be a prophet to the nation of Israel. And his response is, I am a man of unclean lips. And even Paul, the apostle, who is responsible for two-thirds of our New Testament in the letters that he wrote to churches and a great definer of the, the theology of Christianity, over and over again in his letters, he writes things like, I am the least of the apostles. Because when you begin to discover what it is that God has for your life, you begin to realize this is far bigger than me. I can't do this. And then he's got you where he wants you. Because you realize, if I'm going to follow God's call, I'm going to need God's strength. If I'm going to follow Jesus' leading, I'm going to need to know where he's leading me. I'm going to need to find out who he is more. I'm going to open up more of my life to him. See, humility is really the only correct response to God's call. Because when you find the call, you realize this is beyond me. I need God to do this. They pull all this great catch of fish up on shore, and Peter doesn't throw a symposium on how to catch fish when nobody else does. He doesn't stand on the seashore and say, yeah, well, you know, I could tell you how to really fish, you know. He doesn't stand for a photo op and get his picture by his large catch of fish. His response is one of humility. Lord, get away from me. He knows. He knows the true source of his success. It wasn't his skill. It wasn't his great achievement. It wasn't his ability to find fish where nobody else could. His success came from the Lord. His success came from Jesus. And he knew that's the true source of his success. And the other thing that he knows along with that is Things are never going to be the same again. They cannot. They cannot be the same. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Jesus calls him at the height of his success. You notice that? He comes to him at the low point in his life, but doesn't give him the call until after the success. Now, Jesus, if you had asked me a couple hours ago, I was ready to give up fishing for good. You know, it was a miserable night of fishing. It was a bad day. I would have left, you and followed, left them and followed you right away. But now you're asking me at the height of my success. I mean, I just got that big bonus. I mean, just everything just went right for me. I mean, just, I, man, it's nothing but bigger and better from here. This is such a great catch of fish. I'm going to get you know, tons of money at this catch. And then I, can, then, I can, then I can buy new nets instead of 
fixing the old ones, and, and I can get a new boat instead of this junk, heel, uh, junk pile. I, you know, now I can hire other people to do the work. This is a great catch of fish, man. I can go places from here. And Jesus said, you will. Follow me. At the height of his success, follow me. And what's interesting? So they pulled up their boats on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Tom Wright writes about this. He says, put yourself in Peter's place for just a moment. Jesus turns to you with what looks like a question in his eyes, though it proves to be a command. You and I are going to be working together from now on, he says, and you realize you have no choice. If this man isn't worth following, nobody is. See, the call of God is not just an invitation. It's a summons. It's a summons that you can't resist. And for these guys, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. They leave everything and follow him because they know they are leaving fish for people. They're exchanging what was a career now for a calling. That Jesus is calling them to something far, far greater than they have ever done with their lives before. And who would pass up that opportunity? He is calling them to get rid of the fish and start reaching out to people. Because fish die and stink. People last for eternity. And you have the opportunity now to be involved in people's lives and make a difference of their eternal destiny. Why would you not follow that? He calls him at the height of his success when everything is going great. But he understands one thing. Bottom line, it's still just fish. And all of your accomplishments and successes and whatever you have accumulated and secured through your life, every promotion, every bonus, every pay raise, all the trophies and all the toys, they are just fish. Got that great corner office on the top floor, man, you are the boss of the whole department now. It's just fish. And you got all these great toys in your garage and you pull some of them out in the summer and some of them out in the winter and it's just fish. In fact, the garage is just fish. A big, expensive fish, but just fish. I spent all of my day yesterday working on my big, expensive fish. Bright, shiny fish. High-tech, high-def fish. But they're still just fish. We could get that through our thick skulls because we spend so much of our lives chasing fish. And no matter how shiny and great and beautiful those fish are, still, after a couple of days, all fish eventually stink. Why would we waste our lives? On stuff that's falling apart. But we do. I do. 
Why do I do that? Because it's new and improved. Because it's got 50 new apps. It's just fish. It's just fish. And I think that's what made the difference for these guys. They realized the calling of God on their life. What Jesus was calling them to, to do was far more important than they had done up till now. And nothing compared. And they left it all. The biggest catch of their lives left rotting on the seashore. That's amazing to me. And they followed. And if you read through the Gospels and you read their story, these guys didn't follow in a straight line. They were up and down, twists and turns, great at following one day and failing miserably the next. Peter himself, was the, he is the picture of extremes, of successes and failures. But you know what? They kept following. Failure and success, high points and low points, twists and turns, fumbling and stumbling, they kept following. And that's the bottom line because it's a journey. It's a path. It's a walk. You don't arrive in an instant. You just keep following. Oz Guinness wrote about this beautifully in his book, appropriately named The Call. He writes these words, calling at its very nature reminds us that we are only followers of Christ when in fact we are following Christ. In other words, when we leave all other allegiances and walk after Him, doing what He says and living as he's re- He requires, either we progress, however slowly and unsurely, or we are not on the way. Anything purely theoretical, anything that is only good intentions, anything merely static and settled, let alone exclusive and hypocritical, is out of the question for those for whom one person, Jesus, is everything. And all that matters is progress toward Him and in His steps. Do you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.